You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. Today's show will take a big look at tonight's game between Tennessee and Purdue. The Vols getting ready to tip off in the Sweet 16, scheduled to tip off at about 7.30. 7.29 is the official tip-off time. That's Eastern time with the Vols playing in Louisville, Kentucky. Here in just a moment, Grant Ramey of Go Vols 247 is going to join the show. He's been on the show each week during the basketball season, and he's going to help preview tonight's game. Kind of the mindset of Tennessee's basketball team, what he takes out of the first weekend of the tournament, and what the players have been talking about getting ready for the game against Purdue tonight. So in just a moment, I'll talk to Grant Ramey from Go Vols 247. In the second segment of today's show, Dustin DePirac helps you get a perspective on Tennessee's opponent. He covers Purdue for TheAthletic.com. Hear what Dustin DePirac says about what Purdue does well and also what interests him in the matchup between Purdue and Tennessee. And in the third segment of the show, The news was not surprising, but it was big news. Tennessee announced on Wednesday that it is parting ways with Holly Warlick, who is a legend in Tennessee women's basketball. Her overall tenure as the head coach with the women's program did not go how she hoped that it would, how anyone hoped that it would. But Holly Warlick has been a big-time figure in the basketball program. And I'll show you why I say that in the final segment. But the news is the number one item there. Tennessee is now looking for a new head coach for the storied Lady Vols basketball program. So I'm going to get to all of that today on Locked on Vols, your team every day. And every day you can find it on the new Himalaya app. Also, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the third-party apps, and your smart speaker or smartphone for your daily commute. Locked on Vols, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And I want to welcome to the show here in the first segment, Grant Ramey of GoVols247.com. He's covering Tennessee every day. He's up in Louisville getting ready for the Purdue-Tennessee game. Follow him on Twitter, at Grant Ramey. Grant, thank you for the time, as always. And having had a chance to talk to some of Tennessee's players and hear what they have to say, does anything stand out about what they're saying about going into the Sweet 16, the tournament so far, getting ready for this game against Purdue? Kind of what has stood out is just kind of how uh, even kill, I guess, they approach this weekend. Uh, obviously, this is a really big stage. Uh, the Sweet 16, Tennessee's only been here eight times uh, in the history of the program. They've only been to the Elite Eight once uh, in 2010. But the uh, the kind of the emphasis from Rick Barnes and his staff is that you go about this tournament one weekend at a time. You try to win a uh, four-team, two-game tournament the first weekend. You try to do that the second weekend. Uh, and then if you get to the Final Four, obviously you're trying to do that again uh, with much higher stakes. It's, it gets more intense. The, the intensity ratchets up, and uh, it's a it's a lot bigger deal, obviously, than the first two weekends once you get to this point. But uh, they talk like it's the same thing, and if they approach that, maybe that's to their benefit. Is there any benefit from the fact that Tennessee in that Iowa game, that it did get pushed and and it went through that second half, maybe slowing up a little bit, and it ended up needing to win in overtime. Is there any benefit to Tennessee that it had to go through that to get to this round? Sure, I think so. Uh, I, I think it is concerning uh, when you lead by 25, a lead that big. I mean, basketball, everybody's going to make a run. Uh, Colgate made a run uh, on uh, in the first round. It just wasn't quite as uh, notable because they only came back from 16. When you come back from 25, and, and that would have tied an NCAA tournament record for the biggest comeback if, if Iowa had won that game. But 
uh, I think you have to learn something from from every kind of aspect of this tournament. And uh, I guess it's encouraging that you can build that lead. It's also uh, a learning point and kind of concerning that you can give that lead up. And I think they need to, uh, and I think they realize they need to just keep playing basketball. It seems like they kind of slow down a little bit when they get out ahead, kind of take the air out of the ball a little bit. They just need to keep doing what they do. And uh, if you're good enough to build that lead, you can expand that lead and, and hold on to it. And, uh, I think you use it as a learning experience and realize uh, how quickly something can get away from you. It doesn't matter what the lead is. If you give up a, a quick 10-0, 12-0 run, uh, something changes, uh, and, and you got to learn from it and move on. Talking to Grant Ramey, GoVols247.com. Are there players in particular that you think are uh, more responsible to make sure that happens, that Tennessee keeps playing if it's in a position where it has a lead against Purdue? And it'll probably be harder to get that kind of lead in this kind of game. But uh, who who is responsible, do you think, for continuing to push Tennessee forward? Uh, Jordan Bone, for one. Uh, he's, he's the gas pedal of your offense uh, at the point guard spot. He's going to control how fast you're going, just how much you're running. Uh, and, and this team is at its best when it's scoring in transition uh, and finding easy buckets. I think it's 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 up to Bone. I think it's up to Jordan Bowden, another guard. I think it's up to Lamonte Turner. Those are the ones that are going to kind of run the offense uh, on the perimeter. They need to keep going to Grant Williams and, and getting as many high percentage shots as you can in those situations. Just don't sell the ball. It seems like too many times uh, against Auburn in the SEC title game, uh, against Iowa in the second half, a little bit against Colgate too. They just kept giving up the basketball. Uh, really uncharacteristic turnovers for this group. Uh, they don't they don't give up a ton of turnovers and. Uh, suddenly they were just kind of lost in those situations and, and kind of couldn't regroup. So uh, they just need to kind of keep being themselves and, and let Jordan Bone run this offense and, and not make those kind of mistakes. Uh, and if they get one of those leads, maybe they can hold on to it. Grant, what did you think of Lamonte Turner's play down the stretch against Iowa on Sunday, and how important is Lamonte's role on both ends of the floor this in this game against Purdue? Uh, that is probably the most important uh, I think Grant Williams is on a different level kind of than his teammates when you're talking about importance uh, for Lamonte. What he did against Iowa uh, coming down the stretch, Rick Barnes said after that game, uh, they wanted to run through Lamonte and through Grant uh, on the offensive end. And then what Lamonte has done defensively uh, on the perimeter, he's probably their best defender right now. He's their best perimeter guard uh, on both ends of the floor. And, and that's been a big change for him. Uh, he wasn't really a defensive minded guy at any point in his career. He's kind of always been a trigger happy guy looking for a shot. He's never afraid to take the big shot. And he's done a lot of those for Tennessee over the years. Uh, but suddenly he's kind of, uh, this got, got this bulldog, uh, mentality on the, on the defensive end. And, uh, he's, he's going to be huge because, uh, Carson Edwards for Purdue can light it up and, and he scores a lot more than his teammates almost probably double on average, any other teammates. So they rely on him for his production. Uh, and Tennessee's going to rely on Lamonte Turner with some help from other guards uh, to shut Carson down. Yeah, and does that show that there's a pretty good amount of confidence in Tennessee's coaches and what Lamonte can do? Because Rick's talked about his defensive ability in the past and also in that Iowa game, they put the ball in his hands and, and asked Lamonte to make some plays. That, to me, shows something from the, the coaches and what they uh, almost expect out of Lamonte right now. Yeah, and, and, and Lamonte's never lacked any confidence uh, for those situations. But but what Rick Barnes said uh, during his press conference here in Louisville was uh, that what they've seen from Lamonte on the defensive end is kind of what they've always thought they could get out of him uh, on that end of the floor. It's just a matter of kind of tapping into that. Uh, and I think it's to the point where he's having fun on defense. He said today in the locker room that uh, it's almost like he when, he when he when you come to high school, when you're as talented as those kids are, 
Uh, you kind of look for your shot on offense, and then you rest a little bit on defense. He said now that uh, the offensive end has always been so natural that he's putting more effort and more concentration in on the defensive end uh, and kind of resting a little bit on the offensive end because he doesn't have to do so much work uh, to be effective on that end. So he's having fun uh, playing defense right now, and since he definitely needs to to uh, have him stay that way uh, if they're going to keep this run going. Well, Grant, before you go, uh, a, a pretty common question for this kind of game, for Tennessee to keep this run going. If Tennessee wins, what do you think will maybe be the biggest key for that to happen? If Tennessee were to lose, what would be the biggest thing to keep Tennessee from moving on? Uh, I think both answers are Carson Edwards uh, because you have a Purdue, uh, a Purdue team that relies so much on him. Uh, when he does what he does, like he did against Villanova in the second round, he had 42 points, he made nine threes, uh, and they beat the defending champions by 26. Uh, that's the team they can be. Uh, if they don't get as much from him, if they struggle in other areas, they're the team that has lost to Minnesota twice in the month of March. Uh, they lost earlier in the year in December against Texas and Notre Dame, two very uh, average teams at best. So uh, Tennessee's got to slow him down, uh, can't let him go off. I mean, he's got to get his, but you just can't let him go off. Uh, and Tennessee has to kind of do what Tennessee's done all year, have a balanced offensive uh, night, be good enough defensively, take care of the ball, uh, and see if you can get back to the Elite Eight for you know only the second time in program history. Yeah, it is kind of a, kind of funny, wouldn't you say, that it, it's a matchup that looks so close. I mean, all, all these numbers say it's a, a one-point game here or there, but Tennessee's makeup or the conversation all year has been it'll go as far as many players take it. Purdue will go as far as Carson Edwards from a scoring standpoint takes it. Yeah, and, and I would assume that's going to be a lot of pressure uh, on Carson Edwards. Obviously, uh, he's a talented basketball player if he can put up the kind of numbers he's put up. Uh, but you're right about Tennessee. They've, they've gone all year with different guys kind of stepping up in moments uh, of need. Grant Williams is the guy that's going to carry them most often, uh, and he's going to do what he does in, in the game's biggest moments, it seems like, night in uh, and night out. But you have Admiral Schofield, you have Jordan Bowden, you have Jordan Bone, you have Lamonte Turner. They've all kind of had their turns taking a, stepping up big and having big games. Even Kyle Alexander uh, earlier in the SEC schedule had a couple big double-doubles. So uh, Tennessee can beat you in a lot of different ways. It seems like Purdue's kind of a little bit more content to try to beat you one way. And, uh, Tennessee's going to have to shut down that, that, that way they want to beat you. It's Sweet 16 time for Tennessee. Grant Ramey's covering it for GoVols247.com. Read his work there. Follow him on Twitter at Grant Ramey. Grant, thank you as always. Thanks, Josh. Grant Ramey of GoVols247.com. We'll continue on the show with more Tennessee-Purdue talk. Coming up next, Dustin DePirac of The Athletic tells you more about what Purdue does and what he thinks is interesting within this matchup. Tennessee is favored by about a point and a half going in. It's expected to be a close one. We'll get to that coming up next. Locked on Vols, your team every day, and you can get the Locked on Vols podcast on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Vols. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So with Tennessee getting ready for Purdue tonight, Purdue is led by Carson Edwards. You've probably heard his name a lot. You might have heard it at the beginning of the tournament with the talk of Tennessee's road in the South region. If Tennessee gets to the Sweet 16 and if the Vols are playing Purdue, watch out for Carson Edwards. And that is where the conversation starts. It is kind of a where Carson Edwards goes, Purdue's offense goes. But there's more to it than that. He's going to take the most shots. He has about twice as many shots as uh, the next guy when you look at Purdue's season overall. Ryan Klein can shoot the basketball. They have guys that can score. But this is not like last year's team where a number of different players might be able to step up and lead Purdue in scoring. This year is a little bit different. Carson Edwards shoots the basketball a lot, but he can score a lot. He's coming off a 42-point performance against Villanova on Saturday, so he is absolutely the first person to pay attention to, and Rick Barnes and his coaching staff have talked to the players a lot about Carson Edwards. But what else about the Purdue Boilermakers? Well, I had a chance to ask Dustin DePirac of The Athletic on Sports 180 on WNML on Wednesday. Dustin covers Purdue for TheAthletic.com, and I asked him, hey, what else should we know about what Purdue does as a basketball team? It starts with Carson Edwards. What else? It's sort of a fascinating uh, team construction in terms of what they put together. I mean, they obviously came into the season having lost four starters on a team that was really balanced. I mean, they had a, a, a big-time post presence in Isaac Haas. Uh, you know, had some, uh, you know, really good wing guys, Vincent Edwards and Dakota Mathias and a solid point guard and PJ Thompson. All those guys are gone, leaving just Edwards. And everybody kind of knew he was probably going to be uh, definitely going to be the leading scorer by a long shot and probably was going to lead the Big Ten in scoring, which he did. But instead of kind of looking for somebody who was going to be like Robin, his bad man, they, they really filled the offense with a bunch of guys who are not like him, are not like Carson very much at all. They looked for guys that weren't going to turn the ball over and didn't have to take a lot of shots because they knew Carson was going to take a lot of shots. And it was he was probably going to be inefficient, but everybody else was going to become more efficient because of the attention he was going to attract, the number of shots that he was going to take. Uh, they were going to find a way to feed off of that. So what they do is they rebound well, they don't turn the ball over, uh, and they hit a lot of threes. Basically, they got a, a, a couple guys that are really good from the perimeter. Ryan Klein especially is a guy that doesn't necessarily uh, – and he doesn't have to be open to hit a three. He's not just a catch-and-shoot guy. He's not getting the ball to the rim very often, but he's good enough off the dribble to create some space for himself. Uh, he doesn't need a lot to get a shot off. So he's a guy that's going to be even if you're giving him attention, even if you are defending him, uh, he's the guy that's going to be able to make some shots. Matt Harms, they got a seven foot, you know, is a seven foot three center uh, who's really athletic. He's really tall, really skinny, um, but he moves really real, well, really fast. He's very effective when it comes to pick and roll and just slips and dives and that kind of thing and getting the the uh, to the rim. He was extremely effective against Villanova. Villanova obviously was just freaked out by what Carson Edwards was doing and just found themselves not following the big tall guy who was standing by the bucket. Um, so that was pretty effective. And in, in, in Grady Eifert, they've got another guy who's extremely efficient but doesn't have to take many shots, just a guy who sort of waits until he's wide open and then drills threes. It's a former walk-on, but also, is also a big-time defender and rebounder. Uh, so they've got a lot of pieces that work together. I, I think they... Um, you know, Matt Painter doesn't generally have the sort of guy who just goes out and jacks threes from the logo. But since he had one, uh, he sort of built a team around him that wasn't necessarily going to be the same things, but it, they could still be effective uh, even when if, if Edwards was being inefficient. And when Edwards is efficient, uh, it's just a devastating offense like it was against Villanova the other night. 
And and then just looking at these two teams going up against each other, Dustin, Tennessee is a team that uh, it has a a number of guys that can score and help lead Tennessee offensively in, in that department. It's an older basketball team. What stands out to you when you look at Tennessee versus Purdue? What interests you within the matchup or just within the game? Yeah, no, I think what, what Tennessee has and that Purdue hasn't necessarily matched up well against uh, is some guys that are just big grown dudes, obviously, you know, I mean, obviously you guys know them quite well, you know, like Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. Purdue doesn't have anybody who looks like that uh, just from a just size, you know, like muscle bound perspective, you know, you again, like Purdue is playing a seven foot three guy in the middle who's 250 pounds, but you know, seven two fifty spread over 73 of seven foot three uh, is, is not a lot of bulk there. You know, Matt, Matt Harms is probably going to be a guy that Grant Williams is going to be a push around. Obviously, Harms has the length, you know, a, a freakish, ridiculous amount of length, but there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot to him. And I think some guys like, like Williams or Schofield is going to be able to, you know, push some of these guys around. No Joe Eastern is the closest thing that, that Purdue has to one of those kinds of bodies. Uh, and he tends to be more of a perimeter defender. So, I mean, I imagine he'll probably end up on Schofield. Um, but, you know, so if, if you put him on a guy like that, you're taking away your best perimeter, your best on ball defender, uh, you know, from that situation. So you're forcing maybe a Carson Edwards, who's not a huge fan of defense uh, to have to guard a Jordan Bone or a Lamonte Turner or something like that. So it obviously just, it, 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 Tennessee, I think, causes a lot of tough matchups uh, for Purdue. And I think they've, they've had some trouble with teams that have been more physical that, you know, they've taken two losses recently to Minnesota where Minnesota is able to put together a really big lineup with uh, Jordan Murphy and, and Daniel Arturo, just some, some, again, some grown dudes uh, or guys that uh, Purdue sort of tends to struggle with. And again, if Carson Edwards is going off for 40, uh, you know, none of that matters if he's hitting three point shots, but I mean, if it becomes more of a grinded out game, uh, you know, Tennessee's got the muscle that Purdue doesn't have. Dustin Depirak of TheAthletic.com on WNML. I think this is a very important game for Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, and Kyle Alexander. The conversation always starts with Grant, as Grant Ramey said earlier. You know, kind of, you just put Grant Williams over there. It's like, okay, you're the SEC Player of the Year. You're an All-American. Kind of need you to help lead the way. But as a group, the performance of Williams, Kyle Alexander, and Admiral Schofield really does matter. The foul situation matters. Uh, John Pennington of the Sports Source has looked at the numbers when you have 10 fouls or less on Williams, Alexander, and Schofield. It can really make a difference for Tennessee, and that's probably not a big surprise. It, it just is a reminder of the way that those three players can affect the game. And Kyle coming off a big performance the other day, Kyle playing well against Purdue last season. When they played last year, early on in November, Kyle played really well. Uh, scoring and rebounding the basketball, and that was against a team that had Isaac Haas, who was a really important player, and then Harms played, I think, 21 minutes or something like that in that game. Credit to caller Chris on Sports 180 on Wednesday, who set a goal for Tennessee in this game will be to stay out of Harms' way. Matt Harms, get it? But how Tennessee's post players deal with Harms will be a factor here. And if Tennessee is able to stay out of foul trouble, if Tennessee can get Purdue in foul trouble, that for sure can make a difference as well. Purdue does not get to the free throw line a whole lot, but it can hit free throws, and Tennessee knows that. So Tennessee's going to attempt to get to the line. Tennessee needs to knock them down. Tennessee needs to stay out of foul trouble, keep Purdue off the stripe, force Edwards to take shots that maybe he won't be comfortable taking. He's going to take shots. You don't want him to go in. You don't want Carson Edwards to have the kind of game that he had against Villanova on Saturday. 
I don't think this is too much of a stretch here. If Tennessee gives up 40-plus to Carson Edwards, Tennessee's going to have a problem tonight. It's a 7:29 Eastern time tip-off. The Vols are playing in Louisville, Kentucky against Purdue. You can find the game on TBS, same broadcast crew as this past weekend. And, of course, on the Vol Network, if you're in the Knoxville listening area, WIVK and the Sports Animal will have the game for you with Vol Network coverage at 7 o'clock. 7.30, Tennessee and Purdue. It's a big one in the Sweet 16. Coming up, Tennessee makes the decision to fire Holly Warlick as the Lady Vols basketball coach. Holly deserves a ton of credit for all that she's done with Tennessee basketball, and I will try to help offer up that credit coming up next. Plus, what does Philip Fulmer do in that search for Holly Warlick's replacement? That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. I want to remind you, I haven't really gotten to uh, mailbag stuff this week, and I've kind of put a few items off, but I'm going to get to that next week. So if you want to send me any questions or comments for the show, you can reach me on Twitter, at Josh underscore Ward, as well as Facebook. My Facebook page is facebook.com slash Josh Ward. Send me a question or comment for the show anytime. Thanks to everybody for the interaction. Thanks for spreading the word about Locked On Vols, the rating and reviews that I see out there. I really do appreciate it. So uh, love the interaction. Get your questions and comments in for the show. I'll work that in next week. A lot of football to talk about next week with the Vols being back on the practice field. They will practice again this afternoon. So a lot of football talk next week and your questions and comments for the show next week as well. Twitter at Josh underscore Ward as well as Facebook.com slash Josh Ward. News came down in the middle of the afternoon on Wednesday that Tennessee had decided to part ways with Lady Vols basketball coach Holly Warlick. Tennessee released a statement confirming the news, and Philip Fulmer wrote this in the statement. Quote, Holly and I met this afternoon, and I informed her of the decision to change leadership within the program. Holly has dedicated most of her adult life to the University of Tennessee and the Lady Vols program. She loves Tennessee, and Tennessee needs to always love her back. She was front and center as this program developed into the model for women's intercollegiate excellence. While it certainly stings to make this decision, I am charged with doing what I believe is best for this storied program. It's important to all of us that Lady Vols basketball maintains its status among the elite. And with that statement from Philip Fulmer, I would say that what he wrote there, that it's important for Lady Vols basketball to remain among the elite, that matters to Holly Warlick because she has been a part of Lady Vols basketball while it's been at its best. I will say the change that Philip Fulmer is making is probably needed. This season really went poorly for the Lady Vols and the last few years have just failed to live up to their incredibly high standards. But those standards, which were set by Pat Summit, who was of course leading the way with everything that she did, were also set by Holly Warlick and the work that she did at Tennessee. If you go back to her career as a player, just as a player, Holly Warlick is a legend for all that she did at Tennessee. Listen to this resume for Holly Warlick during her playing career. She was at Tennessee from 1976 to 1980. She was a three-time All-American. She was named to the U.S. Olympic team in 1980. Holly Warlick was the first player in the history of UT Athletics to have her jersey retired at the end of her career. Holly's jersey's up there in the rafters at Thompson Bowling Arena. She was inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2001. She's also a member of the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, the Greater Knoxville Sports Hall of Fame, 
She is from Knoxville. She went to Bearden High School, played college basketball at Tennessee for Pat Summit, coached under Pat Summit for about 30 years. Holly Warlick became an assistant coach at Tennessee in 1985 and, of course, became the head coach replacing Pat Summit seven years ago in April 2012 and from there spent seven years as a head coach. She picked up Coach of the Year honors, by the way, early on in her time as the head coach at Tennessee. As the last seven years have gone on, the program has declined. There's no argument against that, and that's why I would say that change was needed. I hope that Holly's able to remain involved with Lady Vols basketball and or Tennessee athletics in the future. I don't know if that time is right now. I don't know if she would want to do that. I don't want to speak for her. I would love to see that be the case because Holly Warlick has meant so much to Lady Vols basketball, and no doubt Lady Vols basketball has meant a ton to her. So with all that Holly has done, as a player and as a coach. She was an assistant coach for all eight of the Lady Vols NCAA championships. Holly should be applauded and appreciated for all that she has done for Tennessee. And I'm sure this was a difficult decision to make for Philip Fulmer, but I would also say that it's the right decision for the Lady Vols. So what happens moving forward? I don't know. We're in day one of Tennessee's official search for Holly Warlick's replacement. Louisville coach Jeff Walls' name was brought up earlier this week by Gene Henley with the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Walls makes a lot of money. You're talking about spending a million and a half dollars per year, maybe more than that, to try to hire him away. Plus, you'd have to pay a buyout. And remember, Tennessee has to pay a buyout of about $650,000 for Holly Warlick as well. What is Tennessee willing to spend to get an established coach, a coach who has won, with a major program, you are talking about spending seven figures, maybe deep into seven figures. Holly Warlick was not really making close to that. She was between six and $700,000 with her annual salary. So it will cost a lot, but there is great passion with Lady Vols basketball, with the, the Lady Vols fan base and Tennessee fans overall that want to see every sport do well, and the Lady Vols are very high on that list. I think Wednesday was a really tough day for the Lady Vols program, for Philip Fulmer, for a lot of Tennessee fans, but it was also probably a necessary day. So all the best to Holly Warlick and what she does moving forward. And again, I would love to see her back involved with Lady Vols basketball and the athletic department sometime in the future. I hope something like that can happen. One other note before I go, Alabama announced that it has hired Nate Oates to be its new men's basketball coach. I mentioned yesterday we have four openings, a fifth on the way, most likely at LSU. But Alabama has hired Nate Oates away from Buffalo to replace Avery Johnson. Oates has done a really good job at Buffalo. Last year, they pulled off the big upset over Arizona. This year, Buffalo was a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. It won in the first round and then lost in the second round to number three seed Texas Tech. Oates is really well thought of. He's a really respected coach in college basketball, and he will have a chance to do a really good job at Alabama. It won't be easy because it's a very competitive conference, but that looks like a pretty good hire for Alabama. So the three jobs that are open right now that remain in the SEC, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt, and again, LSU, which is still playing, still in the NCAA tournament, getting ready for a Sweet 16 game against Michigan State, that's probably on the way. So tonight, Tennessee against Purdue, 729 tip-off on TBS. We'll see what happens, and I'll be back tomorrow. Will Tennessee season still be going on? Will Tennessee have an Elite Eight game to get ready for 
on Saturday? I know you're hoping the answer is yes. And after Tennessee plays tonight, by the way, it'll be Virginia and Oregon. So the winner of the Tennessee-Purdue game will play the winner of Virginia and Oregon coming up on Saturday. I'll be right here tomorrow to talk about all of it. Locked on Vols. Download, subscribe, rate and review. Spread the word about the Daily Tennessee Podcast. It's available on the Himalaya app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and your smart speaker and smartphone. Thanks again for hanging out. I'll see you tomorrow.